and welcome to the Creative Christians Chat Show. I'm Brendan Conboy, the dog in the pod. This show is bursting with creative stories, ideas and inspiration with a Christian perspective. So let's get on with the show. And my guest today, well... Wow, it's going to take a deep breath for me to to introduce her. She's a Bible teacher, a prayer minister, an inspirational speaker, and an NHS professional. She's passionate about seeing people restored and living a life full, a full life beyond salvation. She's an accredited ministry leader with churches in communities. She's the founder and CEO of Empower a Woman, a registered UK non-profit organisation. And she's an award-winning author of five books, two journals, one devotional, and a regular blogger on Authors Electric. Wow, that's a heck of a lot of stuff to say there. Please welcome Amanda Bedsra to the show. Hi, Amanda. Thank you, Thank you so much for having me. It's, it humbles me when I hear myself being introduced. I'm like, wow, <laughs> this just... is just a testimony <laughs> of what God can do from say... where I'm coming from. <laughs> yeah. I'm humbled. Yeah, praise God for all that we do. Yeah, I just wonder how you managed to fit all that in. But I think, well, we'll chat about that in a moment. I think I know what you're going to say about the answer for that as well. Uh, but um, let's chat. How do you? How do we know each other? We've we've recently met, haven't we? Um, I think that we've been friends for a while on Facebook because we we're the Association of Christian Writers. Um, but it, it wasn't until kind of in the last year that we started interacting with posts. And then um, I think for me as well, going to the, what was it called? Um, oh, <laughs> AGM. Oh, I didn't go to that. <laughs> going to the AGM for me and actually meeting some of the um, other Christian writers face to face, as opposed to just in the Facebook group. It kind of, I know you were in there, but it kind of made people feel a bit more real. In the last few years, we've all been hiding behind screens, but actually meeting up with, you know, various people face to face, it kind of made me feel like I want to be a bit more involved in the group. I want to be able to reach out to people more in the group. And that's when I really started, not like I wasn't paying attention, but that's when I really started interacting and wanting yeah. to build those individual friendships because I had met some people face to face at the AGM so that's kind of how I, I think it really started. I agree you can't beat face to face really can you? <laughs> um, so let's kick off with asking you're a Christian this is a, a, a Christian website it's for creative Christians made by creative Christians for creative Christians but what does it mean to you to be a Christian and and why is it so important in your creativity? Okay. Did you want to start with prayer first? Oh, I did say we were going to pray. Yeah. I know. <laughs> that sound was me slapping my head. 
but yeah. this is what makes us human so this is this is real life people it's real yeah. life <laughs> yeah thank you lord that we are human that you made us human that you made us in your image you made okay. us as creators you are the creator and you made us to create and to worship you and we thank you lord that you are here with us right now and lord if you want to take this conversation in uh, in the way that you want to instead of the way that it's been planned on paper that's fine by us we just pray now holy spirit that you will come in and guide us and lead us and direct us and we just hand this over to you now in your name jesus amen amen <laughs> yeah how <laughs> okay so what does it mean to you to be a christian and why is being a christian so important for you in your creativity um for me, I I try not to use the word, I, I try not to label myself as a Christian. And I don't know whether that's word. Um, I I would rather say that I'm a child of God. And it might mean the same thing, but the word Christian in the last five to ten years has it's almost starting to have a, I wouldn't use the word negative connotation but it's starting to mean different things to different people. Yeah. So in, in, in context of who I am, my first introduction, my first identity would always be a child of God. That's how I want to see myself, a follower of Jesus Christ, a mini Jesus for lack of better words. And why it's important to my creativity, it's because the Bible that you know, I wholeheartedly believe tells me that we are made in the image and the likeness of God and God is a creator. And so if I am made in his image and his likeness, then that means me as well as every one of us are born with the ability to be creators. And when we walk in our creativity, we're living to the fullness of who God is and who we are in him. And I think that that's why it's really important to me. Yeah. I've, I've actually I try, I try not to call myself a Christian as well uh, and when people say um, do you believe in Jesus I actually say no and it, it throws them like what do you mean you don't believe in Jesus you're a Christian and I say no I don't believe in him I know him there's a big difference to believing in somebody and knowing somebody and I know Jesus and so that's that's what makes me a Christian uh, so great um so this series is called Creative in Brokenness. And, uh, you know, I've, I've interviewed some people already that have been through some, some extreme brokenness. And I think we all go through brokenness, um, but there's different levels of, of brokenness. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm humbled by the number of people coming forward that want to share their story of brokenness. And it really does humble me. So, and you're here today because you have a story to share. You've, you've ri actually written a book about your story. The book is called The Love That Set Me Free. So do you want to just talk a little bit about that book and how it came about? Oh, wow. Now that's, oh, <laughs> <laughs> where do we even begin? I... I'm one of those people that I believe that it's important to be vulnerable, to be open and to be honest. 
because there's so many people that are waiting on the other side of your vulnerability. There's so many people that are going to benefit from the goodness of God in your life. And if God has been so good to you, you can't but help to share. And I, I am a product of second chances. I'm somebody that, and I don't say it with any kind of pride. I say it with all humility that if there is anything that you can think that is a terrible thing that a human being has done, I've done it. Apart You've done from, it. I've done it. Apart yeah. from killing someone, I haven't killed somebody. I haven't ended up in prison. Um, but I don't think that I haven't done those things, not because I couldn't have, but because of the grace of God in my life. So my life has been so broken all the way down into my childhood of being sexually abused. And that was the catalyst for the damage that happened in my life. But I think that as I go back and I reflect, the worst part of it was not knowing why I was so broken because I didn't remember up until I was 28, by which time I was married, I already had two children. And even though it seemed like I was living life, I wasn't. I was a shadow of myself. I was hiding behind many walls. I was hiding behind many, you know, crazy things. I mean, the best way to describe myself at that time was, you know how you're kind of like a functioning alcoholic. You're drinking every <laughs> night, doing everything that you can to numb the pain that you can't explain, but still trying to function in the middle of brokenness. And that's where I was, mm. you know. That's that's how I, I'm not sure how open that how open you want me to be or to the extent that you want me to describe the craziness that was my life, but God. And because I know that I've been redeemed and restored, I feel like I'm that one leper that goes back to say thank you. I feel like I'm that one person that Jesus says, you know, I've healed you, I've saved you. Don't tell anybody about it. But be, when you know. You can't help but share. You're too excited. You're too um, thankful for what God has done. And so you want to shout it from the rooftops. You want to talk about it. I feel no shame because it's not my shame to carry. It's his shame instead of mine. And writing that book, The Love That Set Me Free, was me putting down my journey and writing that restorative process that God has seen me through was me saying, this is what happened to me, was me saying, this was what my life became. And it was also me saying that because of Jesus, look at who I am today. Look at the person that I've become today. And it could only, only ever be by the grace of God. So right from the beginning, I want to say, no matter what you've been through, no matter how far you think you strayed, no matter what has happened to you, God can still turn your life around. And if you're looking at looking for an example, just look towards me because I'm only here by the grace of God. The things that I've done, the places that I've been, the people that I've met, there is absolutely no reason for me to have the life that I have today, apart from the restorative power of Jesus Christ. Amen to that. Yeah, I've been through similar as well. And I've, I've, I've actually had regress memory as well uh, my first book was a story of, of of transformation as well so I totally relate to to um, to what you were saying but it's very 
rare that you hear people say, I mean, you, you didn't even use the word regress memory uh, just now, but uh, it's quite rare to come across people that have experienced a regressed memory. How did that feel when, when it suddenly emerged? And So that's a really good question. And thank you for using the word regressed memory because I didn't even know what that was. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know that that was the, you know, the term, the terminology of the, the definition. I went through a period of, um, I was clinically depressed. I'd been clinically depressed for um, a few years. It started with, you know, being depressed after having my children. So I had postnatal depression that wasn't dealt with properly um, because where I come from in the African community is kind of like depression. What's that? You don't talk about it. And this is many years ago now. My sons are 15 and 16. So we're talking a good 15 years ago. And even at that time, it wasn't the kind of thing that I could speak to my mother-in-law about or my mom about or anybody about and say, you know, I'm, I'm having all these thoughts. I'm feeling suicidal. I couldn't talk to anybody about it. And because of that, it kind of spiraled out, out of control to the point where one day I opened the front door. I'm hearing voices. So I opened the front door. I run out of my house. I'm taking off my clothes in the middle of the street. My husband's uh -huh. running behind two babies screaming in the house and he catches me on the road and he's kind of like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You need to come back into the house. And that was the wake up call for me. Um, and then the next day I ended up going to, you know, go and speak to a clinician and ended up on medication. But I was this close to being sectioned because of, you know, obviously because of that experience. But the mm -hmm. thing is, God was so good that he had put me in touch with a pastor's wife in a local church that I had started going to and she had had similar experiences with mental issues and mental breakdown. And she was just somebody that was able to talk me through that initial process to help me with that, you know, the first stages of accepting that, I, that there was something wrong and accepting that I needed to go on medication. And that was how the journey started. So going through that process of being, you know, being almost sectioned and being depressed, I then started to have memories. You know, things started to come back. And it, it, it felt like flashbacks, like I would remember different things, but it didn't make any sense. And then I remember there was a period for about three days where I started to have this familiar smell. So for me, it started with a smell. Okay. My house for like two or three days thinking, what is this smell? What, you know, what is this thing that I can smell? And I, you know, I laid in bed, I went into bed and then I just had this flashback of um, one of the people that abused me as a child and I just I saw an image of him I saw what he was doing and I thought to myself oh my god what have I you know what is this memory what is this thing that's coming into my mind and so over the next few days I started to remember a bit more and a bit more and a bit more and I thought to myself I can't keep this to myself I need to talk to somebody about this so the first person that I called was my sister now, as somebody that is naturally creative, my mind goes into too many di directions. I'm always thinking about something. So I have expected her to say to me, oh, you've come again with all these crazy things that you talk about and you want to write about and you're thinking about. That's what I expected her to say to me. You know when you just think, well, let me just talk to somebody about this because I'm remembering all these things. So I picked up the phone and I called her and I said to her, you would never believe the thoughts that are coming into my mind. I've started having these memories of this guy doing all this stuff to me. And then my sister said to me, she said, oh, that, oh, he did it to me too. Wow. 
And so I went very quickly from this is something that could have happened to now knowing this is something that actually did happen. Yeah. And that was how the floodgates opened. And it was, I can't tell you how difficult it was for me. And then I started doing some research and, you know, looking into sexual abuse. And what was good in a way was that I started seeing that some of the things that I had been experiencing, some of the things I had been going through were symptoms of people that had been abused. They were byproducts of, you yeah. know, the that's associated with abuse where I just thought I was worthless. I was dirty. I was this kind of person. I was, you know, guilty and ashamed and all those things. I just thought that that was me. I started to see that there was a reason for the, you know, for the, the way that I was behaving and the way that I was thinking. So of course, one of the first things that I did was going to the counseling and I saw a Christian counselor because I was so broken. I was so distraught. I couldn't believe that. First of all, something like that had happened to me, but more painful was the fact that I didn't remember. Because I, the, the thing that I struggled with was if I had remembered all these years, perhaps I would have got the help that I needed quite soon. Um, perhaps I would have lived my life differently. Perhaps I would have understood a different way to be. Why wait until I'm married, until I've got two kids? I'm in the middle of a difficult situation. Things were hard. It wasn't easy to, to be a mom at the time. It wasn't easy to cope with depression at the time. And then this, so it just felt like something else that was already being added to what was already a difficult situation. And so I did ask the counselor at the time, I said, how do I forget something like this? <laughs> she said to me, she said, Amanda, um, the way that the human brain works is that there are certain things that happen that are so traumatic for your brain that in order for you to continue to function, it just closes it down, it shuts it down, until you get to a point where the brain feels like you can cope. Yeah. I'm sitting there in that chair, I'm laughing, I'm thinking, who told you I can cope? I can't cope with this now. You know, <laughs> this is the time for me to cope with this. But you know what? God in his infinite mercy, he had already positioned the right people around me um, to help me get through the process. And it did take years. It wasn't the, it wasn't like an overnight fix. This was not so I've remembered now I'm healed. The whole process, um, it took a long time. Um, it, it took a lot of tears. It took a lot of pain. It took a lot of counseling. It took a lot of prayers. It took a lot of deliverance. And it took a lot of changing because God changes our hearts, but yeah. we have to, to change our character. We have to do the work to change our belief system. We have to do the work to change our habits um, that have become a crutch. And we have to let go of that crutch and walk in the fullness of God. Because, you know, for a long time, I think for about a year or two, oh, I was abused was my excuse. And it became a crutch that I could hold on to. <laughs> yeah. But when, when God brought healing and freedom, there's kind of like, well, you don't have any excuse to be doing that now. You know better. You're free. You're healed. And that takes a different kind of um, behavior modification that can, it can be painful, can't it? So, so, yeah. um, so that's, a, that's a really, really difficult situation that you went through, yes. that, that your mind switches off because it is so painful to, it doesn't want to put it anywhere where it can come to the surface and, uh, I, I don't think anybody really ever gets over stuff like that, it, but they learn to cope with it and they learn to 
grow and use the experience to uh, share with other people and uh, and enable other people and um, and you do that as well through your empower a woman charity it is a charity isn't it it's well it's a non-profit organization so our intentions are fully charitable um that's the way that was was set up at the minute um for various reasons but i but yes you're right in saying that i do that through empower a woman because one of the things that my experience has taught me is that good people do bad things and bad people do things isn't it (laughs) we are all a product of our individual circumstances I, I believe in reformation and restoration. I believe that nobody is too far gone, that God can't come into their lives and do something amazing. And I also know that when you're so broken, you behave in ways that are very contrary to the person that God has called you to be, which is why I work with women that are in prison. Because like I said before, if the life that I, I, you know, my formative years I spent in Nigeria, I only came into the year when I was around 2021. If I had been in this country with the way that I was living my life at 18, 19, I would have ended up in prison because I was doing some really, really crazy things. And so I have a heart and a compassion for women that are in prison because I understand that there is more behind their behavior than what meets the eye. There's a somebody does something. And so where I am today is because of the love of Jesus Christ. So what can I do to extend some of that love? And one of the main things that we do in Empower Women is we give free gifts to women that are in prison, women that are homeless, women that are vulnerable, women that would not normally get gifts. And it's not big gifts. It's little things that enable us to place worth and value in people that already feel worthless, in people that already feel like I've been abandoned, I've been, I've been punished, I've been cast aside, I'm, I'm worthless. But there's so much that you could do with a little gift. There's, yeah. you can communicate. And so we take the time year in, year out. And we've been doing this since 2014. And, you know, since then, I would say we've given out just under 10,000 free gifts. Um, women, yeah, women in the UK, um, we support some widows in Africa, but predominantly we give free gifts to these women. And the kind of feedback that we get, either from the prison chaplains or even sometimes from the women themselves, is knowing that somebody is thinking about them and what that does on the inside of them. You can never put a price on it. And let me tell you something God has a heart for these women, God yeah. loves so much that each year he provides in ways that just blows my mind each year I get to the point I'm thinking oh I can't afford to do the gifts this year because I don't have the money to do it and then God just does something he opens a door he sends somebody to provide he always ensures that we have what we need to be able to deliver to these women but also um, we give gifts over Easter and Christmas and it wasn't until a few years ago that um, I started including Christmas stories. So I'll write like a little Christmas story. I'll put a scripture. And, um, and, and what God showed me was like, 
was that the two times that we give these free gifts are the two times that we're permitted to preach Jesus because Easter and Christmas is all, is all about Jesus. And so it's become an evangelical opportunity, yeah. something that, that was not the initial intention. But God is so strategic, isn't he? he is. So when the gift into prison, we send it with a little card that just tells them, you know, you're worthy, you're beautiful, you're loved by God. You know, Jesus died for you if it's Easter. Um, Jesus was born for you if it's Christmas. And we just leave that for God to do what he wants to do with what has been placed in their hands. So, yeah, so that's predominantly what we do with Empower Woman. But we also, you know, we have a few children that we sponsor into education. We have a few, few women that we've sponsored into business. But it's all about placing worth and value into the lives of women by showing them the love of Jesus Christ in unusual ways. I love, you know, that, I love that you say it's, it's just a little thing, but all those little things go together to make a, a massive difference. And, um, you know, anybody listening to this might be thinking, oh, well, yeah, well, I want to get and help people. I want to make a difference, but I, I just can't do enough. And, and, and really, if we all just do a little bit, then that little bit that each one of us can do makes a huge difference if we all do a little bit. You do a, a, a lot more than a little bit, though, because you're, you're also an NHS senior professional. What, what does that mean and what do you do? And, 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 and where, you know, you, you're surrounded by brokenness in, in that you know, remembering that this is all about brokenness, this podcast, and you're surrounded by it in, in what you do in your daily life. What does that look like? So my daily life, I, 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 I yes, I work in the NHS, but I'm not a patient, I'm not a patient facing professional. So I don't work in a hospital. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. However, I still have a job that's very demanding and has a lot of responsibility. So at the moment, I'm the associate director for the COVID and flu vaccination program for Kent and Medway. So that is a big job because it's one of my jobs to ensure that the whole of Kent and Medway is vaccinated and um, as well as the team. But, you know, it's it's a big and, um, and And in my current role, one of the issues that we're facing is addressing vaccine hesitancy. So why do people not want to take the vaccine and addressing inequalities? And that means that we've got access to public health data so that we can kind of see the areas um, where people are not wanting to come forward to get vaccinated. We see statistics of not just depravity, but mental health issues. Um, we see statistics that are sometimes really humbling in the level of brokenness mm. that people are experiencing, you know, people that can't even maybe afford to move from A to B and the impact that has on their health. Even before I started doing this role, you know, putting the COVID vaccination role aside, I used to work as the head, as the head of mental health for West Kent. And I tell you, when you look at the mental health services, the amount of brokenness mm. that's, the amount of things that people are going through, it is heartbreaking. I look at the data, you know, I said I'm not patient facing, but I'm data facing. So I'm, anal I'm anal analyzing data, but 
all of them are human beings. Like it's not just numbers on a page. Yeah. These are people. And so when you're seeing statistics that are telling you in the thousands, there are people that are struggling with drug addiction, with, you know, with mental health addiction, the suicide rates, when you start to see those kind of figures, you know that there's something that's seriously wrong. The, the level of homelessness, even in the vaccination program, trying to vaccinate the homeless people, <sighs> it's, not, it's not easy. So yeah. I don't have a patient facing to see the brokenness. All the data that I see in the background, these are actual human beings. Yeah. These are actual people. So yeah. There are days that I come out of work and I'm like, oh my God, what can I do differently? And the only thing that I can do apart from, you know, doing my day job is really pray, pray that God makes a way, pray that, you know, we, we can, we can really do what the NHS wants to do, which is to change and save lives. Pray that God uses me in a way that i make the right decision when I'm commissioning services or when I'm, you know, putting services in place for these people and I'm doing the right thing and I'm helping the right people and I, I'm doing what I can you know, really being his hands and feet on earth through my day job. Praying for wisdom there, aren't you? But, um, Absolutely. But how, how can you use your experience and your knowledge and, and that wisdom that you're, you're talking about there, how can you use that to in, encourage other people that may be broken as well? Well, we're all broken, aren't we? So how can you use your knowledge and experience to encourage others and perhaps to be creative because creativity helps your mental health. It does. I remember um, a few years ago, I was um, walking in London and I came across this homeless man and he had his guitar, he had his hat out and he had a sign that said, you know, help me, I'm homeless and that kind of thing. And he was singing, singing beautifully, singing his heart out. And I was having a conversation with him and he said that it's his music that keeps him going. That's the one thing that keeps him alive. You know, that's the one thing that gives him hope. He wakes up day in, day out just to be able to play. And if that's all he can do, you know, just get some money to eat and he's happy. But when I think about creativity, coming back to your question, to encourage others to find their creativity, I think that is really important that we do everything that we can to find that one thing that we wake up in the morning and we can do day in, day out to find that one thing that keeps us alive because our creativity in essence is it's who we are. It's what keeps us connected to God is our real passion. And if you can find that and you can use that, it will keep you going even in times where you feel tired. It will keep you going even in those moments where you think, I can't do this anymore. Your creativity will get you through it. And when we think about creativity, it's so much more than, you know, music or art or writing or, you know, painting. It's, we need to start thinking about it from a bigger picture perspective and expand our, imagine, our imagination to the endless possibilities of what can be creative or not. Because if you think about the definition of creativity, it's the imagination or original ideas to create something inventiveness, um, for lack of a better word. So anything that you do uh, to create something, whether that's words or whether it's actions, whether it's memories, whether it's cooking, baking, anything that you do that makes something is you putting creativity in action. So if you're going through a season of brokenness, 
and you can find something that you can create, something that you can make, something that either, whether it's something you write, whether it's something, um, whether it's a way that you encourage somebody in a different way, um, find it, own it and use it well, because it's a real expression of who you are and who you can be. Often when you're broken, um, it's not it's not easy to be as, as creative as you want to be because you might be in a place where you're so vulnerable about your gifts and your talents that the last thing you want is for somebody to crush your dream or the last thing you want is for somebody to um, say something negative about what you're trying to do. I know that that had a major impact in me. I mean, why did I release my first book in, was it 2015? I've been writing my whole life. I've been writing since I was 10. But because I was so broken yeah. and I have any I didn't place any value in myself I didn't really know who I was it was difficult for me to share it was difficult for me to even think that I deserved to be able to do something so good so there are so many people that are really good at what they do they're good authors they're good singers they're good poets they're good bakers they are so good at what they do but they need that confidence um, to be the people that God has called them to be. And for people like that, I want to say, you're, you are absolutely worth it. You have everything that you need in you. And you just need to plug into the master creator and allow Jesus to work through you. Don't ever, ever think that you're not good enough. Don't ever think that whatever it is that you're doing is not, you know, it has to be perfect. Absolutely not. Do what you can do. Own it, enjoy it, release it. It doesn't matter if 10,000 people don't like what you do or what you sing or what you say, as far as you like it. Yeah. As far as you like yeah. it, you know, you, you're, you're important enough to be the one person that you're creating for. Absolutely. You, you, uh, you, you mentioned about finding that one thing. I call that your core creativity. And uh, so, so, I mean, I, I, I'm like you, I, I'm creative in many, many ways, podcast being one, films and writing and music. And uh, um, but God showed me that my core creativity is poetry. Uh, and so, so I focused on the poetry. And when we focus on our core creativity, it's amazing what comes out of it, because other it's just erupted and other creativity has, has come out of my poetry. And I recently did a, uh, a poetry workshop for, for some retired women, uh, a mature set of women. And they were just, none of them, none of them could uh, imagine writing poetry. I spent an hour with them, uh, showing them some poetry skills and techniques, and they all left there having written a poem. Uh, and and I've heard from one the other day who said I'm still writing poetry, uh, oh, wow. uh, yeah, and and it's 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 life changing, and and she, I, I mean I like to think that she found her core creativity, and whatever it is, you, you know, you, you got to find your core creativity. God has put a core of creativity within each one of us, and it's it's bursting it's bursting to come out of us it wants to come out of us it's come out of you in so many ways in all the books that you've written and <laughs> it is it is i think that you know we we all have a predominant there might be something that god has given you to do 
um, it might just be one thing, but it will have different expressions. And so you, so for me, I know that I'm called to be a teacher and I express that in different ways. So I can teach through the written word. I teach through the spoken word. I teach through, um, you know, dramatic representations of the word. And so even though I've got one core gift, one core purpose, I express it in different ways. And God is always teaching me different ways that, you know, I can express it. So, you know, and, and the thing that I've learned is that we have to be fluid with God. We, we can't put ourselves in a box and, and say, this is what God is calling me to do. So I'm just going to stay there because, you know, he, he even says in his word, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? So he's always changing. He's always doing new things. And so we have to allow him to come into our circumstances and say, okay, at this point, you know, this is what you're doing. And then maybe in a year, you're going to be doing it in a different way. Um, but it will be the same thing, but just different expressions, you know, I think. And sometimes God will give you something completely different. Like you said, these are women that are in their, you know, much elderly women. And now they're starting to write poetry. Yeah. Yeah. It's never, never too late for any of it's us never to too late. get creative because it's in us. So what does the future hold for Amanda Betra? Uh, what's your vision? Next? Or don't you know? Is it a matter of... <laughs> I wake up in the morning and I don't know what God wants me to do or um, do you have a plan? I've okay. So I love Facebook memories only because it brings up the weirdest things. You know, you put something and then you forget. And then years later you, you find it. And a few days ago I was, I was looking through my Facebook memories and I came across a post that I put in 2016 and it says, um, when I die, I don't know why I was thinking about death, which is actually that day, that very day after I had done the post, a few hours later, I actually had a car accident. So, I, you know, I was thinking about that. When I die, I want my tombstone to read the voice of encouragement and the one who smiled. In the last few years, I've seen that everything that I've done or I've started to do it really is about encouraging people to be the best version of themselves. It's about encouraging people to, um, to follow Jesus. Um, it's about encouraging people to live a life beyond salvation and really, you know, be disciples of Jesus in the true sense of it. And that's kind of my, my life's vision and my, my life's mission. And then the one who smiled, I've been smiling much more than I've ever done. Because when I think about the first 20-something years of my life, maybe the first 26, 20, 24, 26 years of my life, I, I, I always frowned. I had this permanent frown on my face. And it was my way of keeping people out because I didn't want anybody to come in to see how broken I was. I didn't want anybody to come in to see how afraid I was, how um, insecure I was. And so I'll have this permanent frown on my face that was kind of keep people out. Mm -hmm. God came and he did his restorative work in me. <laughs> the things that I believe he gave me as a gift is the ability to smile through all circumstances. Yeah. Because for me, when I smile, most times I'm smiling on purpose. I'm not smiling because I'm happy. I mean, I have crazy things going on in our lives. But it's, it's, it's me saying that, I know that life is not good, but God is good. It's me saying that 
I'm putting my hope and my faith and my trust in God that regardless of what I can see or regardless of my circumstances, I'm going to trust him enough to know that it's okay because I remember what he's done for me before and he's the same God, he can do it again. So the next few years would just be me continue to work in that path, to continue to be a voice of encouragement, to continue to share my story and tell my story and to continue to encourage people to trust God through smiling. So everything I do, you know, I always put up pictures of myself smiling. I do, you know, my gifts, I call them smile gifts because it's just to make people smile. And I live my life in a way that if I can do something to make somebody smile, if I can do something to make somebody happy, then that's what I want to do. And so the next few years are going to be focused around doing that, to continue to write books, to continue to teach, to continue to speak, I'm writing my first screenplay at the minute. I think I talked to you about it briefly. So that's yeah. a project that I'm working on. And all of that is to bring people to the heart of Jesus, but most importantly, to make them smile. Great. And when you make, when you smile, you do make people smile. That's what a smile does. A smile it encourages. It does. It's like yawning. It's contagious, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I, we could talk a lot longer and, and um, I'm going to invite you back on for another podcast when we, when, and we, we'll look at um, creativeness in, in ministry for that one, and, uh, which, which will be coming up if, like, in a few months' time, really. But um, That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of creativity going on in ministry at the moment, which is great. And, and we, we need to focus on that and, and, and push it out there so that other people can see the creative ways in ministry. So that's, that's to come in the future. Um, I'm excited about that because I say <laughs> that if you think about the way Jesus told his stories, he said them in parables. And that was one of the most creative ways that he could have. Yeah. He could have just shared the message, but it wouldn't have had that punch. It wouldn't have had that impact. Yeah. But when he said it in parables, when he did his storytelling, it's a whole lot more. And when we do get to the point where we're talking about creativity in ministry, I'm really looking forward to that because it's so important that we can express the gospel or express the word of God in a way that people can relate to because we're speaking their language now. So if you think about the Bible at the time, Jesus was using some analogies. He was talking about farmers. He was talking about shepherds. He was talking about, because that was the language that was relatable to them then. So what language that's relatable to us now that we can share the gospel in a way that when we say that to people, they immediately know what you're talking about. And it makes sense um, to them in the, you know, in the century that we're in. Right. Time is running out. So I'm going to, I'm just going to wrap this up. Well, first of all, saying thank you, Amanda, for coming on. Uh, It's been great listening to your story. And and I hope that, uh, that people listening will be inspired by what you've said and encouraged by what you've said. Uh, and I, I just want to wrap this up with with a bit of prayer for you and for anybody that's listening as well. So, Lord, I thank you for everything that we've been talking about here, for Amanda's story, Lord, and Lord, for the the struggles that she's been through, but the place that she's been brought to through those struggles, through that difficulty, Lord. And if anybody is listening to this now that is going through struggles and difficulties and brokenness lord i just pray lord that you would reach out and and touch their hearts lord where they're at lord that uh, 
Lord, nothing is impossible for you. And you, you can just you can reveal yourself to a person if they're listening to this, driving in a car or sat at home, drinking a cup of coffee. I just pray now, Lord, that you would just reveal yourself to them. And I pray for um, Amanda's ministry, Lord, and all the this, this stuff that she does, everything that she does, Lord. I just pray, Lord, now that you will bless everything that she touches lord your word says whatever your hand finds to do do it with all your might that's what it says in ecclesiastes and i pray that over amanda now lord that she will continue to do stuff that she would do it in your might in your strength lord that um she will be the person that you want her to be in every sense of the word that you will use that core creativity and you will pour it into other people through her in your name, I pray Amen. this, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Creative Christians Chat Show. It's been great having you here with me today. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends. I'm Brendan Conboy, and you can find me at brendanconboy.co.uk, where you can buy me a cup of coffee, if you like, to support me and my creative work. Follow me also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For now, though, God bless and goodbye.